Hello, Collateral Gaming listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast. I just wanted to take a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. No, it's not video games, but we do invite really awesome and unique bands from all over the world. We dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you, and there's tons of music every week, so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We look forward to having you. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Zachary Gio. This is Collateral Gaming. Welcome to Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters, where we talk about good games, bad games, and everything in between. Today we got a banger for you, and this is actually the first time that I will be like sort of trying to take the lead on an episode, just because uh, what we're talking about today is something that I dove into pretty heavily, and Ash actually finished it recently. Um, today, me and Ash are going to be discussing The Last of Us Part 2. Hell yeah, bro. I am super, super excited about this episode. Um, I was a huge fan of the first game. In fact, my introduction to it was on uh, our episode, our first season on The Last of Us. So I had never played it before then. And ever since then, I have been excited. I mean, just just super, super hyped for the sequel. Oh, yeah, man. This, this game is actually spectacular. And um, when I actually got my PlayStation 4... The first time I got one, I got a PlayStation 4 Pro, and I got it with The Last of Us 1 Remastered. And I know that this game came out as a release title for the PS3, and it also came out with the PS4 as a remastered you know, release. And it's a beautiful game, absolutely spectacular. The first game made me cry several times, and it, it always kept me on the edge of my seat. But well, I'm, And I'm sure we'll reference back to the first game a couple times throughout this episode, but the second game... Um, it's very, very controversial in the eyes today of gamers because there are a lot of people that do not like it. There are a lot of people that think that the end is not what it should be. I happen to be in disagreement, but we'll dive into that shortly. Um, I will start off by saying that The Last of Us Part Two is one of the greatest story-driven games I have ever played. Yeah, I 100% agree, but we're getting ahead of ourselves, Zach. We haven't, we haven't talked about collateral gaming news yet. Oh, this is true. You know what? It's fine. Everybody listening, cut me some slack or I'll fight you. No, I won't fight you. you (laughs) Gotta learn it as I go. But yeah, dude, Collateral Gaming News, what have you been digging into recently? Because you and I were actually talking to it, talking about it before the podcast. We were? What were we talking about? (laughs) The Warriors. The what? Age of Calamity. Oh, yeah. Age of Calamity did just come out. Um, Actually, I just finished our episode on it. Um, literally just wrapped it up like moments before recording this. So those that that's already out now. So you can you can go listen to that. Um, but Age of Calamity was released. I had a complete, absolute, awesome blast with. Excuse me, I had a, I had a total blast with it. Yeah, you know I'm really excited to get into that game. Um, I still need to get my hands on a Nintendo Switch. Uh, right now, I'm trying to decide whether or not I can justify spending the money on the console. In other news. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, which is something that we have talked about 
recently on this podcast, I think the last time we discussed it was when Megan was with us, uh-huh. um, has released an update that includes Nuketown 24-7. Hell yes! Ah, I, would, I would hold off on that excitement, dude. It is a toxic wonderland of sadness. Oh. Now, don't get me wrong. As I have stated multiple times on this podcast, I am a very, very big fan of Call of Duty. Always have been, always will be. But this game is not where it's supposed to be. This game was rushed by the Call of Duty League as far as, you know, competitive scene is going. And it was rushed by them to be completed so that they would have a game to play this year. And actually, Blizzard is very, very upset right now. They are really, really upset with Treyarch for rushing this game because it is just... It's not where a Call of Duty game needs to be. Now, Nuketown is awesome. By far, by and far the most beautiful part of the game. It is a tit-for-tat remake. Well, not tit-for-tat, but it's a, it's, it's in the spitting image of Nuketown from Black Ops 1. Except there's a lot more graffiti. Um, there's a lot more like damage to the overall town. But it's basically like a sister to the one that was in Black Ops 1. And the game is, as far as the camos are concerned and the weapons, it's, it's really fun. It's really smooth. But it's toxic because you die in one second from everything. Everything. It's like you're constantly playing hardcore, and it's very hard to enjoy the game. But they're releasing an update on December 10th. Hopefully it will be wonderful. It's supposed to balance everything out and bring all of the uh, Cold War weapons to Warzone and include a huge patch, which includes two brand new weapons. That's all I've got for news right now. What about you, Ash? Well, Cyberpunk 2077 is set to actually release this month, and supposedly it's not going to be delayed again. This is the actual release date, so maybe it's not actually coming out in 2077 after all. <laughs> this is not a drill. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Because it's been <laughs> delayed so many times. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Let me see. It was the actual release date was what? December 10th. Yep. That's just in a few days, bro. Uh, oh, that's crazy because yeah. that's the date my update happens. Oh, oh really? This game has been developed for a has been in development for yeah. a long time, so I feel like that was worth noting. Also, um, someone's PS4 blew up. Did you hear about that? PS4? Yeah, or sorry, PS5. Tell me everything now. I need to know. Well, all I heard was that. So, but I I, I think I heard. I don't even I don't even have the article to pull it up. This is like the most bullshit uh, article, but. Someone was like, someone had tried to uh, force their PS5 to work with external storage. And that, I guess that's another news thing is that the PS5 at launch, um, you're not able to use external storage. But obviously, they're going to patch that in at some point. They have to. They have to, yeah. Once they release their own branded storage, I'm sure they will, if they haven't already talked about it. But I think, I think what happened is somebody tried to force their PS5 to do it, and it blew up. Somebody thought that their uh, Xbox Series X was smoking, but as it turns out, they were just blowing a vape through it. So, <laughs> <laughs> see, that's beautiful. That that's the kind of stupidity we need in this world. But uh, I'm just joking. We don't we don't need anything like that in this world. But it'll be all right. Um, as far as the PS5 is concerned, that kind of makes me sad that they wouldn't you know release it with the ability to support that because everybody knows that with the amount of memory that you're given with these new consoles the games that are come out are going to come out are going to be too big you're, you're not going to be able to hold every game that you play while you have the console and of course everybody goes through cycles of adding and deleting things but with games improving the way they are i mean if you've seen miles morales on the playstation 5 or oh. spider-man uh ps4 remastered or black ops cold war as 
crappy as that game is right now, it still looks really good <laughs> on the next generation console. With as big and as beautiful as these video games are becoming, there is no way that the amount of memory used isn't going to shoot up. It's just going to skyrocket. And especially with all of the content that's coming out, with all of the DLC, everybody has so many ideas of games. I mean, dude, I... <laughs> Oh yeah, and 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 with you know supposedly uh, all games I think on both consoles are going to be installed, like even if you're getting the disc, like it's installing the entire game on the system memory. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, does uh, with that does that mean that once you remove the disc, you'll be able to play it without the disc? You know, one would hope. I I'm not sure on that. I I really really need to get my hands on a PS5. I had planned to. My birthday was just last month, and I was going to put somebody towards that. But I think all my money went towards the Colorado trip instead. So, <laughs> hey man, you got you got to spend time with family, and you got to have a good time going on a little trip. Now, granted, a PS5 would last a lot longer, but you got to go see some Colorado. And, and from what I hear, you got to smoke some good gas. <laughs> we got to smoke some good gas, and and we were safe. <laughs> Uh, it wouldn't have been my preference to go during a pandemic, but it was my wife's last week to take off, and and we stayed safe. We didn't we didn't stay around people or go inside anywhere for the most part. So, <laughs> heck yeah, man. Um, just a little side note. I'm looking at you in Skype right now, and I'm very very appreciative of your shirt. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> send nudes, but it's noodles. <laughs> noodles. Rabbit. You know, I've been wearing this shirt for like three or four days now though so you, <laughs> you haven't gotten the nudes you need yet you got you gotta wear it you know, you get, you got, it's advertisement ash you gotta work for it fuck yeah dude well do you want to any ramen any ramen companies listening we need sponsors please seriously <laughs> anybody ever uh monster energy please i'll sponsor oh. you can i'll sponsor you you can sponsor us i'll i'll promote you any cannabis companies out of like California, please. Colorado, please. Get us up. Um, <laughs> and any other podcasts? Uh, we have uh, the trial by error promo playing at the beginning of every episode right now. So uh, I, I was hoping to find a another promo to kind of alternate between that and and the other one. Hopefully a gaming podcast. So if you're a gaming podcast and you want us to promote your shit, please. I'll uh, I'll throw a promo at the beginning of the episode. I I really want to do that. But heck yeah, man! Way to be gen- and honestly, like the more the more involvement we have with other gaming podcasts, the better it's going to be because like increasing our circle is going to be awesome. And I know they're not specifically a gaming podcast, but Super Mega Matt Ryan, if you can hear me, I'm coming <laughs> for you. I'm coming for you. We definitely want to take opportunities to collab in the future. So please mm-hmm. let me know. Message us. Message me um, if if you you know want to get together or whatever. But we're not here to talk about other podcasts. We're here to talk about... No, we're not. We're here to talk about The Last of Us. We're here part to talk two. about The Last of Us Part 2. Oh, dude. Ab- absolutely amazing game. It took a couple turns throughout the game. Um, that just really took me by surprise. I was not expecting it at all. You, I mean, you get to play as both Ellie and Abby throughout the course of the game. And honestly, when... when I know this is like, we're going to dig into this a little bit later, but once it got to Abby's portions, you know, I thought it was gonna just going to be these little tiny clips where you're playing as her, but no, you literally play an entire half of the game yeah. as Abby. And so it gives you, this is one of those games where it kind of attaches you to one character and then rips that from you 
by making you, forcing you to be attached to another character. And the biggest thing is the two main characters that you play as are at each other. They're like, they hate each other. Right. They're trying to kill each other. other. You know? (laughs) Yes, they are. And you get to play the game from both of their perspectives. And the game starts off with one of the most beautiful introductory sequences I've ever seen in video game history. Um, it's it literally picks up where the end of The Last of Us one drops off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Joel and Tommy are having a conversation, and uh, Joel is like cleaning off his guitar and fixing the strings, and he's explaining to Tommy what happened in the hospital yeah. the day he saved Ellie. And everybody knows if you played The Last of Us one, if you haven't, I'm sorry. The game's been out for long enough, and so has part two. So there will probably be spoilers in here. If you don't want to hear it, uh. Go listen to another one of our episodes. Don't just leave our podcast. Just, but <laughs> there will be spoilers. Just bear with us. At the end of The Last of Us Part 1, Joel goes into the hospital realizing that the cure, while necessary, it would kill Ellie. And he doesn't want that because throughout the course of the game, Joel and Ellie develop this beautiful, almost, you know, father-daughter relationship. Right. And Joel isn't ready to give that up just to save the world. He acts very selfishly. I will say this. While I understand why he did what he did, it was very, very selfish for him to go in there. Because... Yeah, I, you know what I think? And I said this in The Last of Us uh, on our episode on that, which if you haven't checked it out, go check out our episode on The Last of Us in season one. But I, I think at that point, Joel was just kind of like, fuck the world. You know, like, what mm-hmm. has the world ever done for me? This is the only good thing that's ever happened to me, and I want to hold on to that. And... You know, we can sit there and debate about whether or not they actually would have been able to make a vaccine. I mean, technically, it's a fungus. Vac- vaccines protect against viruses. So, so, so the fact that they were de- attempting to develop what they called a vaccine for a fungus is it, it, very questionable to me. I, I wonder if they knew <laughs> they were. I'm just kidding. Uh, we're arguing semantics here, but I, I like to tell myself that maybe they actually weren't going to be able to do it, and that. That makes me feel better about what Joel did, because I I, I yeah. probably would have done the same thing if I were Joel. I'm not gonna lie, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. One hundred percent. Honestly, one hundred percent. I can agree with you, just because when you spend that amount of time going through something like that, you know, it would be hard to just say goodbye. Well, I have a daughter, you know, like, I don't know what I would yeah. do if I were forced to, to pick between my daughter and the fucking world. You know what I mean? Like, that's tough. You choose your daughter. You, you would know? probably choose your daughter. I would yeah. choose my daughter. Yeah. I don't even have a kid, and I don't know what that connection is like, but seeing how my parents are with me and how you are with, um, but see, if, if something happened with Hazel, you would go batshit, right? Yeah. That's your, that's your flesh and blood. Like, that's your daughter. I, I would probably go up against the world if it was my daughter, too. Um, but as I said, I don't really know what that connection's like, but back to the game. Okay. The game, it starts off so beautifully. Um, after they have the conversation, Joel and Tommy decide to go back and they get on their horses and they start riding back towards their camp, which is this place called Jackson. It's a beautiful little fortified, almost farm-like town where they have in Wyoming. Oh my God. It's so gorgeous. Cause it's like in the middle of a valley. Yeah. And the opening sequence has the most gorgeous guitar playing in the world. It's so sad and somber, but it also just captures you. And you're, oh my god. That's one of the best intros to a video game I've ever played in my life. Because you know, because, I mean, The Last of Us takes massive strides as far as like playing with your emotions. Because the yeah. end of the first game, you're left with a sense of peace, but also a sense of dread. 
Because, yes, Joel and Ellie are alive, but what Joel did was almost unspeakable to keep her alive. And that creates the entire plot for the second game. And she doesn't even agree with his actions. I mean, he has to hide it from her because he knows that she's going to feel like her being immune was for nothing. You know? Yep. And I like what he says to her at the end, which is actually a flashback to what happens right after that, where he goes, you know, if the good Lord gave me another chance, I'd do it all over again. Yep. You know? <laughs> I, I love what Ellie tells him, too. She She's just like, you know, I don't think I can ever forgive you for that. But I'd like to try. Yeah. And, that, and Joel just goes, I'd like that. That's that's at the night right before she wakes up in the beginning, too. I love how the whole story is out of order like that. Like, we we Mm. hear about this night that happened throughout, but we don't get to see it till the end. And we don't get to see that part till the very end. And and that occurs right before Ellie wakes up at the start of of the story, after, you know, the intro segment, like you mentioned. Yep. And honestly, um, that scene at the very end that we finally get to see sets up kind of the beginning of Ellie and Dina's relationship which is a relationship that I loved throughout the course of the story. They were so cute together and did oh, yeah. so many awesome things. Like the first day, Seattle day one, where you're exploring um, just downtown Seattle, going through the different uh, underground destroyed caverns with all the different infected. The teamwork between those two is awesome. And it actually, you know, when you're working with NPCs in certain games, it really looks like it doesn't flow very well. But this game did a really good job of making it feel like Dina was actually there, actually helping you. Like, you didn't have to do it all on your own. Because if you're like me, and you're sadistic, and you play games like this on very hard difficulties... <laughs> Permadeath. <laughs> I, I didn't play on Grounded, but I did... I started the game trying out Permadeath. Oh, really? But I died halfway through day one, and I was so furious, I turned it off. No, but, you did... You wait, um, when you started the game? When uh, the... Well, no, the second time I went through okay, I played okay. the story... And I tried to do as much as I can, but then I tried to do it on permadeath with grounded difficulty. <laughs> that was a, dude, that was a mistake. I mean, like, that's how it would be in real life. So I wanted to see, you know, it would be that difficult and you wouldn't come back. You, come know? Back. you know what I liked? Um, I, you know, so, so circling back to what you said about Dina, that was a concept that was set up in the first game was that, you know, throughout most of the game, you have Ellie with you, and Ellie would actually help out. Like, she's a, a pretty helpful AI. Like, occasionally would even, you know, give you health kits and stuff, and um, would constantly alert you to where zombies were at and, and or yep. other enemies. Because, obviously, this game, like The Walking Dead, has the whole theme of, well, the real monsters, I guess, are humans. <laughs> like, it's oh, like yeah, half and man. half, you know. Half the time, you're dealing against infected, and half the time, you're dealing against people. Just fucking people. Well, I think the main thing that stems from it is, you know, in a, in a world like this, you know that the infected are dangerous. You know for a fact that they are there to kill you. They're going to hunt you down. So there's no... There's no divisive thought process on that. You know for a fact they're a threat. But you don't know what people are going to do. Yeah, you literally have no idea. People are either going to be selfless, they're going to be protective, which in this sort of situation, people are always going to be protective first because it's a two-way street. You see you a person in this world, your first thought is, oh, crap, they might try to kill me and take my stuff so that they can survive. It's only through like intense in, in interaction and possible interrogation that you find out that you could potentially be on the same side. Well, and that's so poignant too, because one of the beginning moments of the scene is Joel and Tommy extending trust to people who 
fucking betray them and kill them. And, you know, that's a moment that gets a lot of criticism is why would Joel do that? Why would Joel give out his name and things? That seems like such a, a thing that Joel would have, Joel from the first game would have never done. And you're right. Joel from the first game would never have done that because Joel from the first game was a very guarded person. And and the conclusion that I came to is that first off, after like it, it was it five years of of relative peace and in a community, and these people are inviting him into their home, so he has some reason to believe that they're good people and or where they're staying at. I'm sorry, and and he did save one of theirs. But after five years of relative peace, you know he's he's come to realize you know that there's this sense of community. It's very different from from the Q, you know the QZ that he was in before, and and yeah. he's come to trust people. But the biggest factor was Ellie. Ellie opened his heart back up to to humanity again, in a sense. And so his relationship with Ellie causes him to, you know, actually be a little bit stupid. He trusted people more than he should have, and yeah, it got him killed. Like, that's, I think, kind of the point. And so when people criticize that and say, oh, well, Joel would have never done that, like, you're right. Joel before wouldn't. This Joel would, you know? <laughs> yeah, this Joel was closer to the Joel that existed before Sarah's death. Yes. At the beginning of the first game. And let me tell you, that moment killed me. Oh my God. One of the that saddest moment, in, moments Baker, in gaming. Yeah. Troy Baker's acting, his vocal acting and his visual performance. Oh my goodness, man. I, whew, despite oh man. dying in the beginning, Troy, ba- Troy, uh, Troy, Troy, Troy Baker, Baker. <laughs> Troll Baker. Troy Baker actually does make quite a bit of a uh, of an appearance still in this game. There's a, quite a bit of flashback and 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 other kind of uh, visions and dream segments. So I, I am happy that Troy Baker got to be in this game as Joel because yeah, you're right. He is one of the more phenomenal voices in the video game industry and and in the yeah. animation industry as well. I mean, he's in a, uh, yeah. a lot of anime as well. Um, he's one of the more prolific actors or voice actors that you just see everywhere, <laughs> yeah, along with Nolan North and, and, and Laura Bailey. Yeah, and I, I really like what they did with the, you know, the flashbacks because, yes, this game... Okay, so if you play this game all the way through without stopping and you just go through the story, it's going to take you close to 28, 30 hours to beat it. It's a long game. Yeah. It took me 28 hours to get through the whole story. My favorite flashback, if we're going to go talking about flashbacks, I, I love how they incorporated Joel into most of the game, kind of giving you a setup to, you know, how everything leading up to this moment, this game, happens. Like, you experience the past five years up until the moment where uh, Dina and Ellie share a kiss in the barn. And completely out of order. Literally out of order. My favorite moment is when... uh, Joel surprises Ellie by taking her to a National History Museum with a giant dinosaur in the front. And everybody knows that Ellie is a psycho for dinosaurs. But it's just this heartwarming and just love-filled scene where you could just explore. Uh, Ellie keeps putting her hat on dinosaurs. Yeah. There's one part where you walk in the bathroom and you can like contort Ellie's face looking in the mirror. It's hilarious. Yes. And the innocent scene of them getting into the space shuttle and... Um, him giving her a cassette tape with a launch and her putting it in her ears and her closing her eyes and just pretending for one second that she could get to go into space. And at the end of it, she takes out the earbuds and looks at Joel and Joel says, happy birthday, kiddo. I know. And he goes, how'd I do? (laughs) And she's like, you did good. You did real good. (laughs) How how does this game tug at your heartstrings so much? And it's weird too, because 
at the same time, it puts you in uncomfortable positions because while you do have, while you do sympathize with Ellie and and with Joel because you played through them the first game and got to love their characters, you then also start to sympathize with Abby as well. And maybe you don't necessarily agree with her actions, but in some in some sense they're justified and and you understand. And I just love how this game does that. And and anybody that you know another thing that's controversial about this game is that you spend half the game as abby and that's the point though it's it's a nuanced storytelling and it's it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable you're supposed to sit there and question i mean the the the, the entire first game was all about moral gray you know <laughs> that was the mm. entire point of the first game of joel's choice at the end was like you know you don't know whether you agree with what he did or, or you don't <laughs> that's the entire point of most stories like this you know what is right or wrong in the sense of survival in a post-apocalyptic world like what is crossing the line and you play as abby and you learn her perspective and the more you play as her, the more you learn to appreciate her, even after you watch her brutally kill Joel with a golf club in front of Ellie. Ellie is lying on the floor, and it is just the most heartbreaking scene, and Ellie and Joel make eye contact one last time right before Abby releases that fatal swing. Oh, you're going to make me cry, bro. <laughs> oh, dude, it's, 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 dude, it is just, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's a stellar game. It is beautiful, and I just don't understand why. Did you? Did you know that originally Troy Baker was supposed to say, uh, you know, Joel was supposed to say Sarah's name, but uh, Troy decided not to and just leave it kind of silent. And uh, they ultimately went with that. Neil Druckmann allowed that change because it kind of brings the sense of, um, I, I think when he, when he just said Sarah's name before, it almost kind of takes away from the bond with Ellie. Yeah, that would definitely would. I, I kind of agree and respect the fact that Troy Baker chose to do that. And I respect because, yes. Neil Druckmann for, for you know, like like a lot of directors do, working with his actors and kind of letting them do their thing. Yeah, because he's not going to create this whole story and create something this perfect by himself. It, it's the work of the entire staff, the work of the actors, the editors, the animators, the game designers, the tech. I, everything comes together. And if he doesn't have a little bit of lenience toward that kind of stuff, and that's artistic genius, honestly, because yeah. if he had said Sarah, you're right, it would have created a giant hole in his relationship with Ellie, and they probably could have directed it down a path where Ellie starts to resent him more and more, and that's how she gets over his death. Instead of, you know, reliving memories and seeing hatred in her heart up until the very last moment where she's about to kill Abby on the beach. Yeah. And then she finally sees Joel smiling, sitting in a rocking chair, and he's just at peace. And that's when she finally lets it go, gets up and walks away and says, get out of here. And... After losing a couple of her fingers and leaving her whole family behind. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm excited about part three for, because you really don't know whether or not she came back and they were gone, or she came back and she knows where they are. Like, they were down in Jackson, they were just moving away from the house. There's a bunch of different things you can... No, they they made it pretty clear that because Dina was like, "Are you really choosing this over over me?" Now, could Ellie go and repair that relationship? Maybe, and uh, almost certainly they're in Jackson. I mean, that's the only other place they'd have to go. So Ellie could easily also move to Jackson. But yeah, it 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 is a really heartbreaking moment, and part of me was like really begging Ellie, like, "Don't go." And I remember telling you that, you know, like I wish she hadn't. But like you said, yeah. she also gained clarity. Mm -hmm. You know, and she was suffering like, from PTSD and she couldn't get past it. And she finally did. Yeah, it's crazy. She literally went all the way down to California. 
just to be mur- dealing with the Rattlers too. Like, okay, all right. So I'm sure we'll talk more in depth about the Rattlers in a minute. But that's one of my – even though they weren't in the game for more than like an hour and a half, that was one of the coolest segments. Oh, dealing yeah. with the Rattlers at that California resort. Yeah. Where they've got the walkers chained up. Oh, my God. Or the walkers. Sorry, this isn't the walking dead. But <laughs> – They've got the infected chained up to where they're like almost toying with them. And you could you could let them go and and, and sick the sick the infected on the on the rattlers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, it was beautiful. I tried to do that, and but it made me sad though. It always makes me sad in those games where you have when you have to take out dogs, and there were a lot of dogs. In this I know, segment. and there was a dog, Abby's Abby's dog that. That that was kind of actually heartbreaking, but after the fact, because okay, I like the way that the narrative structure is set. Because at the very beginning, you kind of you're switching back and forth between Ellie and Abby a couple times, and you you're like, who is this Abby person? What does she have to do with anything? What's her story? And then she runs into Joel and Tommy, and and then you start to see where things collide, and then all of a sudden, wham! You know, she kills Joel. <laughs> and it was like what? And then you play as e- Ellie, and at that point. For that half of the game, and this is for, yeah, about until the halfway point, you continue to play as just Ellie, and you're intent on revenge. You're on Ellie's side. You're thinking, like, yeah, like, I'm going to kill Abby, you know, and you're going after her, and then you finally get to her, and then the perspective switches, and, and, you, and then you play as Abby. You know, and you and you go back to, to day one. <laughs> yeah, and you start learning Abby's entire point of view. You start learning why Abby did what she did to Joel. And when Joel broke into the hospital room to save Ellie, the doctor that was operating on her was Abby's father. Right. And Joel took his life in order to save Abby's, and that's what started this whole mess with to the save Ellie's. shutting down. Did I say Ab? What you did said I say? Abby. Oh, rip, my bad. <laughs> to, save, to save Abby's life, or Ellie's. Good God. Okay. He breaks in there and kills Abby's father to save Ellie's life. There we go. Okay. Yeah. I can I can speak English. I promise. And they, it's they, difficult. They recreate that entire scene from the first game, um, which was nice to see on the PS4 graphics. But, yeah, I like how it takes you back and shows you what Abby's been doing. Because... There's Se- it's divided into chapters. So you have Seattle day one, day two, and day three. And then it takes you back to Seattle day one again as Abby. So it's what Abby's been doing up to the point of the confrontation between the two, right? Yeah. And then, and with just how we have Ellie's perspective interspersed with flashbacks with Joel, now we've got flashbacks of Abby and what, and, and explaining the story about, you know, Joel killing her her dad and, and and giving some backstory about her dad as a person and showing okay like here's her dad who is this like really awesome guy that saved animals and you know and here's this this relationship she had with her boyfriend who and it's and it's foreshadowed because you see how her relationship with Owen is destroyed by her uh by her need for revenge and that's yep. eventually what happens to Ellie as well is Ellie becomes obsessed with revenge and and destroys her relationship with her new family, you know, Dina and JJ, who I have to say is almost certainly, they didn't reveal this, and I tried to look it up and they haven't, but I'm, I'm 100% certain it's it's Joel Jesse or Jesse Joel. <laughs> Joel Jesse? Oh, Joel Jesse. Oh, JJ. Okay. Yeah, that makes JJ. sense. JJ. It would have to be Jesse Joel. Jesse Joel makes more sense. Joel Jesse doesn't really sound too right. Jesse Joel. Scale of one to ten. How would you rate our kiss from last night? 
decided to join us. All right. You all know the drill. Run your routes. Lock your logbooks. You run into anything you can't handle. Ellie! You have no idea what you're walking into. What are you doing? You don't know how large that group is. How armed. I don't care. Speaking of Jesse, Jesse is honestly my favorite side character in the game, besides Dina. But Dina, Dina is a really big part of the overall story with Ellie. Like she travels with Ellie for the first part, or for most of her part of the game. Um, you get to that part where you find that uh, what what's the, what's that guy's name that uh, had the like underground weed storage? Oh, uh, Eugene. Eugene. Okay. Yeah, they find they find his little. Yeah, that scene was so crazy. <laughs> it's so cool. They just they like they had the gas mask bog. I've you know Dakota has one of those. <laughs> Oh man, dude, that whole scene was so awesome, it was so heartwarming, and they did a really good job creating it. And it also had lesbians. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the best part. Ah, uh, that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they did a really good job. Cinematography in that game was beautiful. Like it looked like yeah. during cutscenes, it looked like I was watching a movie. Oh my gosh! But Jesse, Jesse's one of my favorite characters in the entire game. He's Dina's ex. And pretty sure that he's the father of Dina's baby. Right. Obviously. And um, that that baby's so cute. That little half-Asian baby. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Haitian. Uh, but Jesse's death was so abrupt. Oh, and yeah. And so sad. Just because Ellie didn't really have 
Ellie did not have time to warn him because she was hiding behind the counter with Abby pointing a gun straight at her. And she's just unceremoniously killed off. And you think Tommy is too, but then Tommy ends up being okay. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he loses like part of his eye. It looks weird. Yeah. But, oh God, Tommy, we'll talk about that in a minute, but Tommy at the end, bro, I wanted to punch him in the face. Oh, ooh, <laughs> getting kind of heated yeah because he he's the one that like drives ellie ellie kind of had moved on at that point i mean she was suffering from ptsd but she was living her life with her family mm-hmm. and like tommy's the one that comes in and is like yeah you got to do this and then and then they're like no we've moved on and then he's like no you're a piece of shit if you don't if you don't go after abby now because you know she killed joel and you know basically guilt trips her into doing it but i think she already was driven to do it yeah, is she the was... problem Mm. Yeah, I think that's I think that whole plot line is why a lot of people dislike the game because Ellie gives into that guilt and goes after Abby. Well, no, I think what everyone hates is the fact that she doesn't kill Abby at the end, and and which for me is weird because there are a lot, a lot, a lot of stories whose ultimate message is mercy, giving up on the you know the idea of revenge and it's the idea of redemption, you know? Yeah. Mercy. Yeah, mercy. Just like you said. Like, that is a common trope. How many stories... There's a lot of stories that end that way with a character deciding, you know, going all the way. Assassin's Creed 2. Assassin's Creed 2. Held as one of the, the best video games of all time. You know? Mercy. <laughs> that was the entire thing. He, he spares Rodrigo Borgia at the end. I'm trying to think of another movie or game that does it, but it's all over the place. So it's so weird that that's the criticism point that I hear so often. and Or the fact that you play as Abby you know, after having killed Joel or, or the manner in which Joel dies. And like all of these things are not, I mean, you may not like them, but they're not flaws of writing. They're executed exactly as intended. Yeah. 100%. Like they didn't mess up anywhere. Naughty Dog creates some of the best and most beautiful games. Like, I mean, take the Uncharted series. Yes. Take the first game, you know? <laughs> yeah. The first game was literally perfect. And like the stealth segments, I mean, most of the game, let's be real, most of the game is a stealth segment, because when you're dealing with the infected, you can't make a bunch of noise. You have to strategically take them out, especially if you're playing on more difficult settings. Yeah. The infected are tough, and and supplies are limited. Like, it's, it's an all-out survival fest, and it's tough. I mean, it's not... What would you say? Do you, you think... Spam cock Molotovs. <laughs> I, I always did oh, stealth, dude, though. Molotovs are beautiful. Well, I mean, what, what would you say is more difficult? Dealing with groups of uh, people or groups of infected? Uh, groups of people. Because infected generally, like, they can, well, their senses are dulled. So you can hide behind things and you can shine your flashlight and you can sneak up on them. And there's generally a process. And they, they're kind of dumb and they'll huddle together. People are strategic. They will hide from you and they'll follow you and they know where you're at. So I had a lot more difficult time killing people in the game than killing infected. Well, as far as the flashlight's concerned, the only infected that you can shine them around is clickers, I thought. Because clickers can't see. No, uh, there's a... I thought so, too, but you can shine it in front of the runners. I didn't know that. I mean, runners will see you if you break their light of sight, but they won't see flashlight, like if you're hiding around a corner. So, and I I thought that they did. I, I could have sworn in the first game runners could see flashlights, but I, it's been a while... Um, but there's literally a loading screen tip that tells you that. And I was like, oh, or I think I was, I was turning my flashlight off and then the game was like infected cannot see flashlight. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it honestly makes sense. And it's kind of ingenious the way that they did it. 
simply because you know this is a game that takes five years takes place five years after the first game, which can show some deterioration in the infected. Okay. Maybe their eyesight, because I remember that in the first game too. Like they could see your flashlight, but the clickers couldn't. So maybe, maybe it kind of they kind of threw that in there as like a little thing. Like, hey, they can't see your flashlight anymore because it's been five years. The ones that are infected. You know, but then again, there are still freshly infected people. Yeah, and, and it was 20 years that infected have been around in the first game. Yeah. And it, it's just been five years since the since the first game, but I don't know. I, I'd have to go back and replay the first one at some point, which I'd like to do a Let's Play on that. So uh, at some point, I'd Dude, like to do it. We definitely should. Honestly, like come January or February, I should have my PC set up, and you and I can link up together and just do it. We yeah. should do Let's Plays of both of these games, because, that one, that's like almost 45, 50 hours worth of content, and two, and we all know that you guys like content, you thirsty little slut, I'm just kidding, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, 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 but um, no, this, these are really good games, and they're top tier for me, like, The Last of Us, honestly, The Last of Us Part Two. when I finished it, I was genuinely sad that there was no more game left. Like, when I was a kid, growing up, playing video games and watching movies and TV shows that I would really get invested in, I would get emotional at the end of it. Like, there was, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, uh, Ash, but it's Anastasia, Fox made it. And it's, it's, a, it's a really old animated movie. It's like late 90s, early 2000s. But the relationship between Anastasia and Dimitri always got me emotional. And at the very end of the movie, sometimes I would cry. Because I loved that movie so much, and I loved the growth of those two characters and how they started out hating each other. They were annoyed with each other. And at the end, they fall in love. And it got me emotional. And I'm the same way with really, really good video games. Call of Duty. You guys know that I'm a Call of Duty fanatic. Call of Duty Ghosts, aside from Modern Warfare 2 and how climactic that the end of that game is, Call of Duty Ghosts campaign is one of the best one of the best stories I have ever experienced. Yeah. It is an amazing story. Like you take out the bad guy in the very last mission, atop of a flying electric monorail train that detaches from the rail as you guys are fighting, goes into the water and you choke him out underwater. And it's Damn. just, <laughs> it's insane. It's, it's kind of like, uh, whatever, whatever, the bad guy's name is in Black Ops 1. You also kind of choke him out underneath the water, which is kind of like a reoccurring theme. You kind of choke the bad guy out underwater. Choke me, daddy. <laughs> Harder. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, these, these stories that kind of capture you and keep you invested the entire time, like the dialogue between characters in The Last of Us were always like spot on. It was yeah. the relationships between characters constantly grew and were constantly shifting with the events that are happening. All of the settings in the game were just breathtaking. It didn't seem like too far fetched or too stretched out to as far as like transitions between sequences were going. It felt natural. Um, I will say I was really oh, the horse, man. The horse. The horse. <laughs> what um, the horse got you? Yeah, bro, I cried when the horse died, man. Oh, there's a there's a clip of PewDiePie playing the game where he's like, you know, if if anything happens to this horse, I'm gonna uninstall. Literally four seconds before that exact scene happens, <laughs> it's hysterical, dude. And he literally closes out the game and he like hovers over delete. He's like, 
Nah, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, funny. He he actually hated it. PewDiePie is one of the guys that hated the game. Like Felix, Felix, I love you, bro, but damn, dude. I saw his final thoughts on that because I, I I think I just kind of skipped to the end and watched like what his overall reaction was, and it it does seem like there was a trail of of in particular with YouTubers. Now critics critics loved the game, um, and as far as people go, like fans go, it's very divisive. It's like right split in the middle. It's just that I'm not saying that like you have to like this game or that you have to agree with it, but it's like all of the, the, the primary arguments that I see just don't seem to be valid to me. The main critic criticisms that I'm, I'm seeing of the game just don't hold up to me. And it's kind of like, it, <sighs> If you liked the first game and the things that you're criticizing about this game, it's like, did you even play the first game? You know, or it, it, or it's like they missed the point entirely. Like it's nuanced storytelling. That's the point. Now, some people say that it's like lazy story writing and whatever, but I don't see any of that either. Like I, all I saw was was it was like nearly flawless from beginning to end. I had zero issues with the story. Literally, it was. Damn near flawless. And honestly, I will say this, and this, I forgive me if I offend anybody, I will say this. If you truly didn't like the game, I honestly believe it's because you lack the understanding of it. And you don't follow everything that's happening. Because not only does it give you Ellie's perspective, it gives you Abby's perspective. It fully, in detail, describes the story, what happens with every single character. Who are the, um, oh my god. Oh damn. We even, you just... We haven't even... You just insulted, insulted, uh, insulted PewDiePie. <laughs> Felix is a pretty smart guy, actually. Um, he's uh, so a beautiful I would... person, and he's a genius. But I think, I think he he just wanted Abby to die. That's that's. I didn't he say that? Like he said, I, I you should have killed him. Like he yeah. was literally while he was fighting Abby on the beach, he was like, "Yeah, I'm about to kill him." He was literally talking about how excited he was to maybe kill her and then he got so angry when ellie let her go yeah and i almost see the opposite thing right now with uh, on some on some part of the base is you see people that are like kill abby and they have like no um no room in their heart for her at all like no mercy no uh empathy for it which is weird right because the game does kind of force you to then on the other end of the spectrum, you have people that are like, oh, yeah, I'm totally Abby. Like, Abby, fuck Ellie and Joel. Like, they're bad. Like, I'm all on Abby's side. Like, that's not the point either. You also missed the point. <laughs> you have to feel and relate to both sides. That's both the point. sides. <laughs> you literally have to look at it from both perspectives. That's why they designed the game like this. Yeah. You see why Ellie wants to go after Abby. Because Abby killed her father figure. And and you or do killing her father figure. You do feel that way as Ellie, you know, at, at a point. It's only until you get to the point where you play as Abby, and then you're like, okay, you know, and and then it makes sense, and then you don't know what to feel, you know. You're yeah, like, you just, I just kind of hope that both of these people figure their, both of them figure their shit out and end up okay. <laughs> yeah, you start to you start to question everything when Abby continuously has this recurring dream of her running down the hospital hallway to find her dead father. Like it's. Oh my gosh, by the way, did you ever notice like the audio stuff that was happening in that hallway? Because the alarms are going off as you're running, as Abby down the hallway. But the faster you run down the hallway, the more distorted the alarm sound. So instead of pew, pew, it sounds like, it's terrifying. 
anybody who's about to play those parts, just like let me know what you think about that audio because it's it's hilarious, but it's also mildly terrifying. And what did you think of the Wolves having their base at that giant sports stadium? That was actually pretty cool. I like that whole that whole setup. Um, I also I I won the shooting mini game as as Abby, and I won the archery mini game as Abby later. So I won the sh- I won the archery. I lost the shooting mini game. You lost the shooting one. Yeah, I, I tried to redo it, but the game like auto saved right as oh that sucks. I lost. Yeah, but then Manny dies bad later, so you don't have to worry about paying him back with that. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Tommy shoots the fuck out of him. Dude, Tommy is insane. I I will yeah. say I will say I thought it was a seraphite. I thought it was a scar that was taking wolves out, but no, it's Tommy on the bridge. Master of Oh no, I I knew it was him because they showed him with the sniper earlier on with Ellie and I was like, yeah, that's that's Tommy. Yeah, that was a cool little segment of taking out walkers from afar yeah. on patrol as Ellie with Tommy him kind of like showing you the basics. Speaking of which, um the scope on that gun, did you ever did you fully upgrade all the weapons and stuff? I didn't fully upgrade all the weapons. Um I was kind of going in my new game plus and finishing that up on the new game plus. Because I don't, I guess I didn't get all of the the parts, and I was pretty thorough. I didn't generally skip things. Like I always took my time to explore my surroundings. But well, I take that back. There were moments in the story where, like, because I felt that the character was anxious to get to a part, I played the way that character would feel. So like when Ellie is getting really close to Abby. You know, that was that point where I was like, no, Ellie's just going to run through this shit. Because I was getting, you know, I was felt the same way. Like, I want to get to Abby, you know? So I, I, I kind of did. Um, and, and when Abby's like on her way to get to Owen, you know, I was kind of rushing through. I was like, yeah. But no, for the most part, I was really thorough. And I didn't actually get all of the upgrades, but most of them. I did all the scopes. That was necessary. I fully upgraded my shotgun as both characters. That was necessary. Upgraded the bow and the crossbow. <laughs> yeah, I... Those are priorities. Okay, so, real talk. I didn't upgrade the shotguns at all. Um, well, except for damage. I did I did the damage upgrades. See, the damage my was main... the one that I thought was the least necessary, because the shotgun already does so much fucking damage. My, my biggest thing was upgrading the rifles, the pistols, and the bow and arrow and the crossbow. I love using the bow and arrow as Ellie. That's yeah. one of my favorite things ever. And the crossbow added a really interesting dynamic. Um, there's ooh, that part where you're on the boat. Yeah. Trying to that that was really that was difficult. There were so many infected on that boat. And what I tried to do is I tried to find every single one of the hidden safes in the game because the safes had yeah, really me too. good. The safes had really good content and really good have pills or ammunition. Um, I, I can say I think I got every safe, but how do you know? <laughs> um, I think I got all but one. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think I got all of them, but if I missed one, then I missed the note that came with it, too. So, yeah, I would have had to have missed both of those things, which to me seems doubtful. Because if I saw a note, I looked for the safe. Like, I was like, I got to find this safe because you always got good shit in the safes. I know, like, one of the weapon holsters was in a safe, I'm pretty sure, so... And the yep. we- weapon holsters was, was pretty necessary. Oh, yeah, it added speed to your draw, right? Uh, what the weapon holsters do is it allows you to have... to easy- quick swap, so you don't have to open your backpack out to pull the weapon out. So you can have up to two of each weapon type 
just quickly available. So you can have both pistols quickly available, and you can have um, both characters end up having, I think, four uh, of like two-handed weapons. Oh my god, that fucking flamethrower! I'm so glad that that came back. That was oh, that was awesome. <laughs> and the the fight against the Rat King. So we finally saw like what would be, I guess, a stage five of infected. Like. <laughs> that, that was hard too. Like you're playing as Abby at the bottom of the hospital. What what's the name of the the kids that were sacrificed? The little girl that lost her arm. Uh, and the that was boy. Y- Yara, and then uh, Lev. Lev. I kept thinking his name was Rev, but um, I've got Avenged Sevenfold on the brain. Rest in peace, brother. Um, but yeah, Lev and Yara. I love those characters. That when you first meet them, it's terrifying because Abby's about to get hung by the leader of yeah. the sacrifice. And they come in, they save her, and it's crazy because Lev, okay, so Lev shaves, Lev shaves his hair, and that's why they're ostracized. And the sister wants to, and Yara wants to take care of him, so she goes with him. And because Lev is transgender, and which is honestly a very positive. um, I'll I'll let you finish what you're saying, but I want to say that's a very positive. inclusion because yeah, no, they don't it's, good to it's show not so like much support they don't like make a huge point of it it's just kind of like that is the character and i just thought that it it was done really 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 well you know yeah they didn't force it down anybody's throat they just showed acceptance and made a really really wonderful character shine through without putting focus on it. they're just like yeah this is here deal with it if you don't like it don't play the game and if you don't like it, you suck. Just and letting you know. Shout out to Elliot Page. We love you. Uh, yes. Interesting tie-in because, um, you know, a lot of people were accusing Naughty Dog of basing Ellie's or yeah Ellie's appearance off of Ellen Page, who is now Elliot Page, which I, I think even even Page said something about it. it was like, yeah, yeah, but it was it was a joke. But <laughs> but yeah, congrats to you, man. I, I, I'm I'm super, super excited for you and um I will continue enjoying your role in the Umbrella Academy. Yes, that is a very phenomenal show. And we one hundred percent support you here at Collateral Gaming and we want you to know that if anybody doesn't they could die. I'm just kidding, that's terrible. But <laughs> no, come on guys, be open minded, be loving, it's twenty twenty, it's almost twenty twenty one. Also I'm going to be, since we're coming up on the halfway point here, which is where we will kind of uh, take a break and then we'll dive into part two, which we're still going to be talking about The Last of Us Part 2. Part two of part two. Part two of part two of part two of part two. But, uh, which I guess if we're doing, no, I'm not going to start doing division. My brain will hurt. But I'm going to be kind of, okay, so I wanted to give a quick shout out to Ash. He brought me in when we were doing the Metroid Prep Trilogy. And at that point, I was just going to be a guest. Um, I have been doing this for, what is it, four months now? Three months now? Something like that. And I've been having a great time. I turn 24 tomorrow. This is exciting. Happy birthday, bro. Yeah, my day of birth. Uh, By the time we release this, I will have been 24 for probably like a day or two. But it's okay. Um, But yeah, I'm just, I'm excited. You know, we've been having a great time. Ash and I have had some really interesting conversations from jump scares to Metroid to our top five games. And now we're talking about one of the best installments in Naughty Dog history. But, you know, jumping back to that, thank you, buddy. I really appreciate the involvement and being a part of Collateral Gaming is an absolute pleasure. Um, I do have one question for you uh, before we go to the break, which I'm not in a rush to do that. I just, you know, 
have to think about it. But um, what was your favorite intense moment of the game? I will say, I'll start it off by saying mine was probably the, it was literally the chapter called The Seraphites. Oh. Ellie. And it's the first time you see the scars in action and they're hanging people and like praising this woman entity that is just a woman, but they look to her because she, she it's like she's here for us or something like that. It's been a minute since I played the game, but she, she's like always watching you or something. It's, it's got a slender vibe to it almost. It's got like female Jesus for them. <laughs> <laughs> female Jesus. I like it. No, that's a great moment because I think that's where, I mean, I, I got to agree. That was a, I like the stealth segment in the, in the Seraphites when you first meet them, you mm-hmm. know, and what's funny is I kept starting off the chapter every time by shooting an explosive arrow at the group of them. And then they me would... too. Yeah. Cause that's and right after you get out. the explosive arrows and, so... <laughs> and then they freak out. And then I managed to do that entire segment stealth. Like I, I, I stayed hidden in the grass. Like there was so much grass to go around. So I did that. I went up the building and then I went under the car and I shot another explosive arrow at a group of them. And then one of them pulled me out and I killed her. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's another good thing. That this game does really, really well. There are certain stealth segments in certain video games where you have to be in a certain precise spot in order to avoid detection. With this game, you can legitimately use the environment to your advantage. It doesn't matter where they are. You can always pop to a different location. And it makes it... This game is a very, very realistic feeling game. It feels like you're actually... The only difference between this game... The only thing that could have made this game feel more realistic is, one, if the world was actually ending and you are a uh, teenage girl, you know fighting for vengeance or if you're playing this in vr if they made this game for <laughs> vr that would be wild oh my goodness i don't even think the first game made it to vr did it no no no, no. i'm just saying like if they tried to do yeah. a first person perspective with this game it would be relatively intense and at, well no it would be extremely intense because everybody knows that games that go horror games that are in vr i wouldn't necessarily classify this as a horror game more like a suspense thriller story with horror elements God, this game is just so beautifully done. And if they found a way to put this in VR, it would be really cool. Like, from a third-person perspective, you can control Ellie, but you can also kind of look around and see the environment around her, but you can focus on her with almost like a Z-targeting aspect or That's whatnot. been done before. I'm pretty sure that's what Nintendo did with Breath of the Wild VR. <laughs> is there a Breath of the Wild VR? Yeah, I think with the Nintendo Labo, um, that's one of the titles you can do that with, and, and it's done exactly what? that way. It's it's a third person still. I, 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 what? I've never, I didn't know this existed. I've... Well, you what you literally do it's not anything crazy. It's like you you get the Nintendo Labo thing. There's a headset, and you just put the Switch like in the headset. It's like does it? And there's a there's a VR mode for Breath of the Wild, so it works with it. Yeah. I did not know that. Well, now I'm definitely gonna have to buy a Switch. Thanks, Ash. You've given me a reason to spend money on video games. <laughs> I applaud you for it. Thank you. But. We are coming up at an hour and almost two minutes, so I think this is a good time for us to skedaddle and take a little break. Um, We will be back with part two of our discussion on The Last of Us. Um, This is really exciting, just because, you know, this is my first time sort of trying to take the lead on an episode, so I'm just kind of winging it, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. 
it's been a long, it's been a really good conversation so far, and I'm really excited to continue getting into it. Um, this is a phenomenal game, but yeah, um, anything you want to say before we go on a little broke break break? Um, <laughs> stay thirsty, my friends. <laughs> Play The Last of Us Part Two. You have to finish it before you listen to Part Two. Yeah. You you have to. You're not walking no, back. No, l- l- literally, we're gonna put like um. There's gonna be a, there, there's gonna be a way we can do it. We can lock it. We can we'll, we'll search through your your PlayStation uh, <laughs> save save data history. Like we're no we're gonna look in your trophy. There you go. We'll, and you got you have to sign in with your with your PlayStation account no, in order. No, what we're the next part of this is only available on PlayStation. You got to go to the no. PlayStation store. <laughs> no, what we're gonna do is we're gonna create a test with five questions that you can only answer. One hundred percent can only answer if you play the game in detail. Good luck, my friends. <laughs> it's going to be like, what blade of grass was cut in this scene? <laughs> <laughs> so you have to actually, even if you played it before, like you have to go play it again and go to that like blade of grass. <laughs> yeah, I literally wouldn't be able to get, I wouldn't even be able to record just because I wouldn't know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll be back. Um, thanks for listening so far. Stick with us. We will be back soon. Um, yeah. Collateral Gaming is an L Company production. All music and game clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.